All right. Well, tonight we'll just jump right into this. Um, we started, or actually our pastor, Pastor David, started a teaching on Sunday morning um, called The Prosperous Soul. And so I'm going to do kind of a part two. I did I did teach a little bit on Sunday morning, but I didn't want to keep everybody too late. So we're going to uh, dive into this tonight a little bit. And I believe you'll be blessed. I know I get excited just studying the word to minister and um it's so refreshing that we can keep our eyes on the Lord when all the things in the world can constantly change, really. Everything changes except God. And so we can keep our eyes on the unchanging, loving, heavenly Father, uh, who, whom the Bible says is our shepherd. And the shepherd provides for his flock, you know. Uh, he's a he's a good shepherd. The Bible doesn't say anything about him being a bad shepherd. He's a good shepherd. And in Psalm 23, it says we shall not be in need. We shall not want. And so what a beautiful promise. And um, I want to start with the same scripture our pastor started with, uh, which is third John chapter two, third John chapter two. And I'll read that. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. I probably could use this mic. Okay. Um, even as our soul prospers. Um, and then we saw the two things here that really God wills for our life. And it's very clear. It's health and prosperity. God desires for us to be wealthy and he desires for us to be healthy. And those are two things that we should remind ourselves of, that God delights in the prosperity of his servant. And prosperous means, really, an area of that means health. It means well-being. Amen? So... um we see that those two things really should stand out to us, and I believe that they're very, very important to know, not just go along with mentally, but really take that to the depths of your soul, that that is God's will, because the devil wants to blame things on God. If there's financial struggle or lack or financial tragedy in your life, or even with sickness and disease, at times he'll try to put in our mind thoughts that God did it, that God was responsible, or God let it happen. And so we have to really dismiss those thoughts and trust in the word because the word, the integrity of God's word, he said he put his word above his name. I mean, he means what he says. <laughs> Amen. So we need to know that when we read things like this, and some people might say, well, that was to Gaius, you know, in the, the the first verse but he said in the second verse beloved that's me amen <laughs> i am the beloved i am part of the beloved and you are too and if you just separate those two little words it means be loved amen that's what god wants us to be be loved with help and prosperity praise god and um we have to re- really remember that um these um uh, characteristics, prosperity and health, are in Christ, and Christ is in us. 
So really, we don't have to try to be prosperous. We are. We don't have to try to be healthy. We are. We have health and we have prosperity on the inside of us because we have Christ. Amen. Because we're in Christ. Now, we sometimes have to learn how to get those things manifested in our life by and through the renewing of our mind. And that's exactly what this soul prosperity is. It's the renewing of our mind. It's changing the way we think. Amen. And some of us have to change the way we think more than others because we've been taught things that are wrong. Or some might not have been taught anything. I remember when uh, Leroy Thompson years ago came out with a book, Money Cometh. Uh, a friend of mine took that book to work with her. She was reading it. This was years and years ago. And she said that her coworker said, money and God, does that go together? <laughs> and so she said, absolutely it goes together. But so many times it's in religion or through religious mindset, we have discounted any natural or physical or, uh, um, you know, any kind of prosperity or, or money or anything like that. It's, you know, that's fleshly and this is all spiritual. But we have to, and, you know, I've heard people say God's not into things. But I disagree with that. I think, you know, he created all things. Things, Right. And throughout the Bible, he would just mention this, that, and the other about people's things. And then in the New Testament, two-thirds of all the parables have a lot to do with money. Now, that would mean that if Jesus had a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, and a Wednesday night, two of those services would be about money. Well, that's a lot of preaching about money. So I think it does matter our relationship with the, with the material world and material things. And, of course, God doesn't want things to have us. He doesn't want possessions to have us where there's a greed and et cetera. Um, he wants us to manage what he's given us so that he's able to increase us. And, um, you know, we know that the Bible says that if you're faithful over little, then you'll be faithful over much. And that's desi- his desires for us to have much. He has much, so why wouldn't he want us to have much? Amen? And um, so we see here that it's in, runs, this health and prosperity runs parallel to our soul prospering. So what I have found, probably the most important part about this verse is soul prosperity. Amen. Not so much, uh, you know, really zeroing in on prosperity and health, even those are great things. And it is important to know that it's God's will for you. But also we see here the most important part is the soul prosperity. Because these things, even though they're given to us, they cannot manifest in our lives without our thinking, without our choosing, and without our feeling, you know, our emotions, right? And that's the soul. The soul is our intellect, our will, and our emotions. That makes up uh, the soul. We are spirit beings. We're born of God, and we have a soul. We live in a body. Amen? And it's so wonderful that we know these things because we see that we're supposed to renew our soul or for our soul to prosper. 
And that's where the really the battleground is, is our soul. That's where uh, demonic thoughts try to come or devilish thoughts or just fleshly, natural thoughts try to invade our mind. And so praise God when we know the word, we can act on his word and not on our uh, pitiful thoughts. Praise God. Now, so soul prosperity is extremely important. And I liked what one person said about uh, emotion and um, intellect and will. It, we could think of it like this. It's our chooser, our feeler, and our thinker. How we think, feel, and choose. Amen? And those things are going to make a difference in your health and in your prosperity. But as we choose right, and I love God gives us a big clue. I set before you death and life. Choose life, right? Choose life. Choose him. Choose his ways. And then, of course, you know, the way we think, um, our intellect, and and how we feel. And feelings can be tricky at times. Nothing wrong with feelings, but it's what we do with those feelings that can make such a difference in our life. You know, it's not wrong to be angry, but it is wrong to be ugly and mean and hateful and abusive when you're angry, right? So we see that anger can really teach us some things in our life, um, but we don't need to lash out. The Bible says, be angry, but sin not. Amen? So, uh, you know, as people say negative emotions, I think they're just all emotions. We just need to learn to temper, and we have that also. God's given us temperance in our spirit to be able to uh, not act out wrongly on emotional um, impulses. Amen? And those, you know, that is all connected to prosperity. Some of you have had businesses, you know, how to have an employee that is quick-tempered or hot-tempered or, you know, always causing a problem, yelling at people or acting ugly and all that kind of thing. It does matter in their financial well-being, doesn't it? Because it's not too, you know, you can't put up with that too much in a business or employment effort. So all these things are connected, uh, prosperity and health, to your soul. Now, of course, soul is, uh, and, and one other scripture I want to mention too, and uh, let me get the reference for you. It's Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh. So there's your thinker, your soul. And um, we, you know, we, we have at times from whatever sources they come from, we have prejudices. And I'm not talking about just race. You know, that's a big hot topic nowadays. But I'm and I'm not talking about male and female. That's a hot topic, too, of prejudice. But I'm talking about economic prejudice where um not so much against the poor, but against the rich, against the wealthy. And I, I, you know, I think we all have to overcome that at times because we, you know, in our minds sometimes think, well, they have everything. They're rich. They have, why, how, why would they be miserable? Why would they have any problems? Because they have all the money in the world, everything they want. But see, there's some up and outers. You know what I mean by that? Sometimes we want to minister to the down and outers, but there's a lot of up and outers that need some help too. 
Amen. And if we are prejudiced against the wealthy, we repel them really from from coming to us for ministry and help and well-being. And uh, so we have to kind of watch that in our minds. Um, you know, people need God no matter how much they have in the bank. People need Jesus every day. Amen. It doesn't matter if they're billionaires or millionaires or if they have two cents in the bank. They need Jesus. And so we have to erase uh, the prejudice that we have. And um, it's it's uh, risen its ugly head in our culture today. I don't know why. I think, you know, whatever, but against wealthy people. And really, I think we should admire people who have wealth and emulate them. Not all of them, but some of them. Amen. Um, and, and we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. Uh, but I think that uh, in the church, we have to watch the attitudes that we can have toward rich people. The Bible says that Jesus became poor so that he might be made rich. Now, would we have a bad attitude toward Jesus because he's rich? Because God's rich. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All the silver and all the gold is God's. Do we hold prejudice against him because he's rich? No. He's walking on streets of gold. Is that extravagant? Well, maybe in our minds it would be extravagant. But to him, it's just where he lives. Amen? Mansions. Praise God. And so we kind of have to renew our mind because of bad teaching or bad doctrine about uh, wealth and riches. And um, again and again and again, we can see these scriptures that say, um, you know, wealth and riches shall be in the house of the righteous. Amen. That's your house. Praise God. Um, and that, uh, well, I could go on and name all these scriptures. I don't want to get up on all that. But look them up. There's your homework. Amen. Look them up and see. Now, again, we know the love of money is the root of all evil. And I love what uh, Brother Mac Hammond says about that scripture. He said, love is just a relational term. And he said, the love of money and money is just the natural, uh, you know, exchange that we use here on the earth. And so he said, the love uh, or the relationship, the wrong relationship with the material realm is the root of all evil. Now, think about that for a minute. The wrong relationship, in other words, the love of money, having a love affair with money, right? Having a love affair with anything on the earth, really, other than Jesus, is the root of all evil. You get to worship in money. You get to worship in cars and houses and mansions and all the things. You get to worship in all that and putting that above the Lord, above the Word, above God and service to him it it does lead to evil i'm telling you it is the road the bible says of all evil so we have to watch our hearts that we don't get you know greedy get things um upside down in our lives but i don't think that's the majority of the problem in the body of christ i think it is probably the other way that says 
well, I don't deserve anything and I'll never have anything. And my family didn't, they were middle class or they were lower, you know, poverty class or whatever. And so, you know, I've learned to get along with just a little bit and I don't need anything really in my life. I'm just happy as a lark. Well, praise God for happiness. Amen. But as we said Sunday, why don't you believe God in his covenant and prosper and you can still be happy and live in your house where you live. Amen. And drive what you drive. But believe God for finances so that you can help others. So that you can be a blessing to your local churches, to the mission field, uh, people who go to the mission field so that you can build a, another a wing onto your church, you know, or, you know, maybe you are have other, you know, type visions for your church. Maybe you feel like an orphanage would be good or whatever um, might help people. Recovery centers, I don't know, but different people have different things in their heart. And many times, um, you know, the, the holdup can be finances. <laughs> Think about it. And with, you know, we read a statistic the other day that 17% of the body of Christ tithe. 17%. Now these are churchgoers that tithe. So, um, you know, the, the, the thing here is not the world as much having a problem with all this is the church not acting on the word. Amen. And, um, so no condemnation, right? Whatever uh, you see in the word that you feel like you need to do. But I'm telling you, I think you need to study the word and study this out because it is the will of God for us to prosper, to be in health and then to be a blessing to others. Uh, another minister friend of mine taught a sermon on how many things God desires for us to do financially um, and he said, you have to be prosperous to do all the things <laughs> that he said to do. I mean, to tithe and give offerings and then sow seeds and give sacrificially. And then we just read, leave an inheritance to your grandchildren. And then he wants you to give to everybody that asks. Now think about that. Everybody that asks. And then he said, lend without thinking about uh, getting it back. Didn't he say that? And then he said that that grace would abound toward me, that I would have all sufficiency in all things, that I may abound to every good work. Now, I can tell you, there's some good work sitting right here, <laughs> other than our church, right here in our service tonight. So there's a lot of good works. Amen? And we're supposed to be abounding to every good work. Think about that. So I think the subject's a little more serious than driving a Rolls Royce and having tickets to the Super Bowl. Amen. Those are fine. That's what you like to do. God doesn't is not bothered by that either because he's got plenty. Amen. But I think as our responsibility is, is to see the gospel preached. Amen. And I don't know about you, but. I'd love to see it preached all over the world. Let's just get out of here. Amen. <laughs> Let's just go home. Amen. This is not our home, by the way. So uh, I'm looking forward to our heavenly habitation, our heavenly home. Amen. How about you? Praise God. So I just wanted to preface some of this by saying that um, that even though these are some natural books, I'm going to read a few things out of tonight. Uh, these are books that... These people have found out about 
Mark 11, 23 and 24, and they don't even probably know it. And they've done all this research and probably spent years. Well, I know this was one spent 20 years researching, and I don't know how long this lady spent, but I'm telling you there's been some hours put in of research when they could have turned to Brother Hagen's book, Mark 11, 23, 24, and just believed the truth of his word and gotten these principles right in their heart. Amen. Um, I, when I was at Sanford University working on my bachelor's degree, uh, we had a class, and uh, this man from UAB came over. He was an adjunct teacher, professor. He came over, and he taught the class, and he said, we're doing a research project. It's a $2 million grant that we have to uh, research forgiveness, and I thought, oh, my, you could just look at the bot that again, Mark 11, right? And just see the power of forgiveness there and save your $2 million, right? However, men sometimes think, not men, like humans think sometimes we gotta, we gotta come up with the idea. When God, He just knows everything. Amen? He's so smart. Such a genius. And if we hang out with Him, we, we look like a genius too. All right. Let's um, talk about then some things. Uh, we, we mentioned uh, the book Bridges Out of Poverty, and I brought it tonight just to talk a little bit because, uh, and, and I, please don't let this upset you, these things. I mean, it's just some, like I said, research that people have done to change our thinking. Amen? And we're talking about thinking, right? Soul prosperity. Just to challenge our thinking a little bit. So we don't have to take it as, you know, I don't know how we don't. We just, you know, somebody said one time, truth will set you free, but it might make you mad first. <laughs> have you heard that? Might make you mad first. Well, okay, then, then let's just change our soul a little bit. Amen? So uh, this is um, by Ruby Payne, and it's Bridges Out of Poverty, and it really helps professionals and even uh, people who might be novices uh, in their communities help people get out of poverty. And it's very interesting. It's a wonderful read. Anybody can order it. And I, I um, highly recommend it. And uh, especially if you're dealing with addicts, you know, I do counseling twice a month with an addiction center. And I can see so much in here that has helped me help them. So, um Anyway, but this is the hidden rules among classes. Now, we're talking about poverty, middle class, and wealth, okay? Now, we're going to change our thinking to try to think like wealthy people think. Because if you're thinking wealthy, guess what happens? You start moving toward wealth. If you think poverty, you start moving toward struggle and lack. If you think sickness and disease... I'm telling you, you start concentrating on it, focusing, listen to Fox News, listen to CNN all the time. All, uh, before long, you know, you think you have COVID and the symptoms of it. I'm not making fun of it. I've had it. So, and even after vaccination. So, all right, praise God. I'm not making fun of it, but I'm just saying, if you, if you feed on things, a lot of times it opens the door to your thought life. And as a man thinketh, so is he, right? Okay, so poverty. Listen to this. People in poverty, uh, when they're thinking about money, they think it needs to be used and spent. 
people in poverty, used and spent. The middle class, they think money should be managed. You manage your money. And people with wealth feel like money should be conserved and invested. They're thinking about investments. Amen. Now, I, you know, when I first read that, I thought, praise God, I'm investing in the kingdom of God. I've been investing for years. That's the best investment, let me just tell you, because I have never gone without, and I've been through some, some traumatic experiences financially, but I have never gone without. God's always blessed, always helped. Where there was uh, tremendous uh, damage financially, there was tremendous success afterwards. So praise the Lord. It's a good investment. But then also in, in life, you know, God will lead you at times. And I'm telling you, be careful with investments, right? And that comes from experience too. But if God leads you in investing, then that's the wealthy mindset there is to conserve and to invest. Now, listen to this. Food. The poverty mentality says, did you have enough? Quantity is important. Isn't that something? Quantity. Did you have enough? Middle class. Did you like the food? Quality is important in the middle class. Did you like it? And then the wealthy. The key question is, was it presented well? Was it presented well? The presentation of the food is the first key question that a wealthy person will think about. Now, isn't that something? Presentation. And I have heard over the years, if you're single, that you should set your your place at the table, <laughs> set a beautiful little setting, put your you know nice fork and spoon out, get you a nice glass, wonderful plate. Don't eat in the kitchen standing up over the sink. And I thought, what difference does that make? But they were saying it does make a difference. It makes a difference in your digestion. It makes a difference in your emotion. You don't feel as important when you're hanging over the sink eating a bag of potato chips or whatever as you do seated nicely with a wonderful meal. Amen? Now, isn't it's just interesting. Presentation. And I thank God for our pastor who has made it a... Uh, uh, priority to make this church beautiful. Amen. To respect God's house enough to keep it really nice and clean, to keep it beautiful, to keep it painted, to, to make it as beautiful as possible because we represent God, first of all, and the body of Christ, right? So we are a rep- representation of him. I remember years ago having a huge women's meeting, and we had all kinds of things going on in that meeting. We had the spiritual part, but we also had an aerobic teacher come in, and we had a consultant with wardrobe. She came in, and you know we had the blood mobile out checking people's <laughs> cholesterol. I mean, everything going on. And but I remember the the uh, teacher that came in to do the consulting on wardrobe. She was not saved, and she walked in, and her first comment was, "This church smells so good." She said, "This is the first church I've ever been in that smelled good." That was her first comment. Then secondly, she said, "And it's so clean." <laughs> you know? 
And then she went on to say it was beautiful, etc. But I thought, people do notice. Amen? They notice. And so um, thank God that we are making that presentation of the Lord. And also um, that people who might not know how to present things will learn. They'll learn here at church how we do things in a most excellent way, right? And I think that's part of our um, ministry to people, to teach them to come up a little bit, you know, dress a little better and put on a little makeup if you're a woman and fix your hair. Amen? If you're a, if you're a, a gentleman, you know, shave or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what all gentlemen do. But, you know, you just just come up a little bit, right? Because you're going to the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. And most of all, you know, put on a smile. Um, the presentation is important. Okay, let's see what else. Clothing, the poor. Clothing valued for individual style and expression of personality. So it's your individual style and your expression of your personality. Clothing for the middle class is valued for its quality and acceptance into norm of middle class, and the label is important. But the wealthy, uh, clothing is valued for its artistic sense and expression. Designer important. So again, it's more vision. It's it's the vision. It's the appearance. Amen? And, And, you know, we could say, well, that's not important. It's... Well, it must be important to God because he sure has fixed up heaven nice, right? I mean, you know, it's like, well, y'all come up here. We got some trailer parks and we got some asphalt that's kind of messy, but, you know, you'll get over it. And Oh, I just can't wait to go to heaven, right? No, I mean, he just goes on and on about what he's designed. And I'm telling you, the Lord's Prayer says, on earth as it is in heaven. So there's there's a lot of what God wants heaven here for us. Amen? Not enough to make us want to stay, but enough to really have a life and life more abundantly. Amen? All right, are you with me still, or have you gone home yet? <laughs> a lot of what the, uh, the wealthy, if you go down this list, and I won't go through everything, but a lot of it is for connections, making and maintaining connections. One of the things was was under education. Um, the poverty class feel like it's education is valued and revered as abstract, but not as reality. And then uh, the middle class thinks education is crucial for climbing the success ladder and making money. But the wealthy class says it's a necessary tradition for making and maintaining connections. Connections. Now that sounds kind of godlike, doesn't it? Because God wants us, as the body of Christ, to revere one another and to have those divine connections. And I'm telling you, connections are powerful. Amen? And I think that's one reason the devil hates you to go to church. He does not want you to connect with others. There's something about, you know, the Bible says one will put a thousand to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. And so there's such power in agreement and in connections. Um, It's much more powerful than I think than we've even thought before. But I do believe that's why he 
the devil wants people to stay away from church. Just sit home and watch it on live stream. I'm not criticizing for watching it on live stream. Thank God you're listening. But I think that wherever you are, you need to find the local church to go to. Amen. And to hook up and to meet people and let them meet you. Because we're blessed to be a blessing. But if there's nobody there to bless, it's really, it's really sad. And it's not the will of God. Okay. Uh, then we'll go on down to, um, well, I guess that's probably enough out of this book. But I'll let you, hopefully I've whet your appetite enough to, uh, to see what all's in there because it's really excellent. Bridges Out of Poverty is the name of it. And then, um, this next book, I know probably m- most of you have read it. And it's, my dad told me about it when I was young. Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Well, they've redone it, so they've added some modern examples of wealthy people, too. And it's just really delightful. But the premise, of course, the first two chapters, I'll just basically just say a little bit about that, and then we'll go. Um, The first chapter is desire, and the second chapter is faith. Now, again, to me, that sounds like Mark 11, 23, and 24. So let's take a minute and read that, because... I think that you'll uh, gain some appreciation for the word um, and see how uh, these men and women have put it to practice and maybe were even didn't didn't even know it was in the word. Mark 11, 23 and 24. Um, for verily I say, well, 22. Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Whatsoever he saith. One of the principles in here is to find out how much money you want, a definite amount, not just, oh, I want plenty. (laughs) A definite amount. 5,000, 400, 1 million, I don't know, whatever you desire. Amen. Some people, again, I don't care. I don't desire anything. Well, let's, let's just step out in faith and say, okay, when I get this $10, I'm going to give it away. <laughs> Start there. Amen. Praise God. Start somewhere. Start small lest you do nothing at all. That's one of my sayings. Um, start with something small if you need to, but, uh, believe God and, and, if you don't want it, give it away. Give it to somebody who needs something. But uh, we see here that whosoever shall say in this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, shall have whatsoever he saith. So the, one of the principles is that you make that plan. You definitely say what you want as far as money. This is books about money. Um, and then you make a plan of how you think you could work in some situation, somehow, kind of a desire that you want to do to make that money, even if it sounds outrageous or outlandish to do it, that you're, that's what you're going to do. And then write it down and say it every morning and every night like it's already so. That's this book. Not this book, but that's this book too. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? 
They ran up on something that works, praise God. And it's the word right here. Whosoever shall say to whatsoever so that they can have whatsoever they say. Praise the Lord. And so, and then it says in uh, 24, verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. That's the first chapter in this book. If you don't desire anything, they said, just, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get There's nothing that's going to work here in, in, in the impossible realm if you don't desire something. Now, let me tell you this and then we'll close for tonight, but maybe we'll have a third part. So fascinating, isn't it? Okay. Steven Spielberg is one of the guys that was listed in here about his uh, life. And I didn't know this. Maybe some of you know. But, um, of course, he's a famous filmmaker, producer. And he, as a child, wanted to make films. He would have play cameras and, you know, just pretend like he was making films. Well, he didn't know how to get started in the industry and he didn't know what to do or how to go about doing it. So he said, this is what I'm, this is his plan now. He said, I'm going to go out to Universal Studios on a tour, a tour tram. Well, he gets on the tram and he goes out to Universal Studios, tours around. When nobody's looking, he gets off and hides between two sets. The tram bus leaves and he walks around there all afternoon. And leaves and talks to the security guard, doesn't say anything except, hi, how are you doing today? It's been a great day. And so the next day he shows up at the studio with a suit on and a briefcase. And the guard says, hey, and he says, hi, and goes in, does that for three months every day just to go around and start meeting people <laughs> and talking to people and even introducing himself to people that he's wanted to meet. Until he finds an empty office and moves in it, adds his name to the directory on the wall, and meets one of the top producers there, and it says his name in there, and shows, and the guy really likes Steven Spielberg, and he, he said, well, I have a movie that I made in college. Would you like to see it? And the guy said, yes, and he loved it, and he hired him. Now, isn't that interesting? How many of us would do that? How many of us would get off the tram and hang out and go to work every day with a place we're not even hired? Interesting, huh? So, of course, you know, the rest of the story, Jurassic Park, <laughs> on and on and on, Schindler's List. Praise the Lord. Desire. Right? Desire. And every achiever that they talked about and there was presidents, you know, um, Thomas Edison, et cetera, et cetera. Wilbur Wright, Woodrow Wilson, John D. Rockefeller, F. Yeah, Andrew Carnegie. He was a just worked at a mill, steel mill, and um, so you know they. But they said that all these uh, characteristics were in their lives, and they exercised the the desires and the faith and the perseverance, et cetera to uh, have those things manifest in their lives. So it's very interesting to see those principles. But I believe that the main uh, thing, of course, we're emphasizing tonight is the thinking. It says think and grow rich. The thinking part, the prosperity of your soul part. Amen. And um, if you, if we, all of us, if we don't think we can, we're right. 
But if we think we can, we're right. Amen. It's a lot of uh, interesting, probably, examination of your thought life. But we, there's more, but we're not going to go any longer. Amen. Praise the Lord. Did you learn anything? Yes. Amen. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit tonight that helps us to grow and to learn. And we know, Father, that you are omnipotent, all-powerful. We thank you, Lord, for your strength and your power. And that you said you've not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Sober, healthy thinking. The mind of Christ. And so we thank you tonight, Lord, that as we meditate upon your word, that you wish above all things that we prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers, that you give us the desires of our heart and you show us the way to complete your will for our life and to manifest everything that you've done through your son Jesus. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. What a mighty, mighty God you are. What a loving, heavenly Father you are. And your grace is sufficient for us. Your grace is sufficient. We thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Jesus. Just worship him for a minute. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We thank you, Father God. You bring peace to our hearts and our minds when they're stayed on you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Tonight, for those who have been in turmoil or those who have been maybe in some kind of chaos, that peace comes to their heart and mind tonight. Peace that passes all understanding as they cast all their care Anxiety and worry over on you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Thank you, Jesus, for peace right now in their homes, in their lives, for everyone here in this sanctuary. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, remember that. Sunday morning, we have service at 10 a.m. We'd love to have you come and uh, be a part of us and be here with us to learn and grow. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.